1: Hey, good morning, Cross Point family. We have enjoyed our time away but are so looking forward to being back at this church next Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.15. I know that you've had a blast over the last few weeks. We've had some great speakers and we have saved one of the best for last today my good friend glenn reynolds will be speaking he's the pastor that i worked for when i first got out of bible college and went into full-time ministry and so if there's anything that you like about me it came from him anything bad that you don't like about me well it must have come from bible college or some other training but he was an incredible mentor and has still been an incredible mentor and friend in my life today and i'm telling you you're in for a treat would you join me And welcoming Pastor Glenn Reynolds to the stage as he comes to deliver the word that God has given to him for us for this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together and let's welcome
0: him to the stage. Thank you. Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see everyone here on this wonderful summer morning in Iowa. As Pastor Jonathan said, I uh, pastored in Iowa for about 15 years at Christian Life Assembly outside of Des Moines. We now have lived for goodness since 2008 how many ever years that is Um, yeah I don't do math Uh, how many ever years that is we've lived in Virginia and uh, Pastor Jonathan is such a wonderful uh, pastor you have such a great team Hilly and Erica and their family aren't you thankful for the leadership that God has given you here at this church so I want to apologize if you're here as a guest, if this is your first time at Crosspoint. I encourage you to come back next Sunday and uh, hear Pastor Jonathan. Uh, the sermon next week will be much better. The, pe- the preacher will have less hair, but we'll have more anointing. And so I encourage you uh, to be back. Uh, Jonathan is such a close friend of our, of our family. And uh, as some of you may know or remember, we lost our son, a 24-year-old son, September 30th, uh, tragically. And Pastor Jonathan... I'll never forget, he said, I just can't text you through this, and he got on an airplane and flew out to Virginia and was with us the whole time and was such a blessing, and I know your church was praying for our family during that time, and many of you still are, and I tell you this, Paul said at, in the Bible, he said, at my first trial, no one stood with me but Jesus. Well, that's not our story. Our story is so many people have stood with us through this incredibly A heart-shattering journey that we have felt your prayers and we felt your support, and I am so thankful to you for it. And I just, one of the reasons I wanted to come was to say thank you. Another reason I'm here today is Pastor Jonathan has kindly allowed me to share about a uh, project that we're involved in. After Grant passed away, we started a foundation in his honor called Take the World Foundation to pursue some of the dreams that he had in his life. And one of those dreams was helping uh, people who were in incredible poverty and sharing the gospel. And we've had an incredible opportunity to build a church building uh, for a new church in India, a place where Pastor Jonathan has been actually and spent three months doing uh, doing uh, work there after a uh, uh, flooding and all of that type of thing. I, forget, I can't come up with the word I 'm looking for, but you know what he was doing? He was doing all kinds of wonderful stuff there when he was missionary to India, and he said, "This is indeed one of the most uh, poor, most unreached areas. But there's a group of people, about 150 people, who are meeting together as a new church plant, but they need a building. You know, when Pastor Jonathan was with me, we built our first building. It was 2.4 million dollars. Uh, we can build a building in India for 11,000 dollars. And so I want to invite you to give today to take the World Foundation. We've got around 4,000 of the 11,000 that we need to build this church building in memory of my son. And so I want to ask you to give to that today. And here's what I'd like to do. I've never written, well, I've written a book, but it's called, it's about legal issues. Because not only am I a minister, but I'm an attorney. And so, yeah, that's a, a how did you go to the dark side? People ask me that all the time. It's, it's It's a wild story, but... Uh, A good friend of mine has written three books that have really influenced my life. He's my spiritual father. In fact, Pastor Jonathan and Erica got up the other day at 5 a.m. and drove from Memphis to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, so they could be in church with Pastor Gary Brothers at Cape First. So if I have ever been like a spiritual father to Jonathan, well, these books are by his spiritual grandpa. And so I want to encourage you to get a copy of each of these. I'm just going to tell you about them real quick. This one's called Dare to Dream, What You Didn't Know About God's Dream for You. Uh, Gary Brothers, who wrote this, now pastors a church, very similar kind of situation in this church. I I brag on this church all the time for the size and impact and the size community that you have. This church is incredible. Gary pastors a church of 2,000 people in Cape Girardeau, which only has 35,000 people in the city. And so uh, dreaming big, no matter where you are, is important. You don't have to be in a big town. You could be in a uh, a little itty-bitty. Okay, now I'm going to Alan Jackson. We'll just keep moving on here. Uh, those of you that <laughs> listen to country musical, get that one. But Dare to Dream Big, this is about Abraham. Abraham dreamed of a baby, but God's dream was for a nation. And so this book will help you begin to dream God's dream. Burning Bushes, this is about Moses and keys to discovering your destiny. This book has helped me incredibly to believe God for my future. And finally, this is a powerful book all about relationships. I'm here to tell you, if we didn't have the relationships that we have Right now, I don't know how we have gotten through the past nine months. And so the hidden power of relationships. And this book has a foreword by Tommy Barnett, who's another hero of mine. So here's the deal. We're going to give you a very special deal today. Gary's donated these books to take the World Foundation to help raise money to build this church. Here's the deal. Are you ready? One for 10. If you buy two, 20. And three, guess what? 30. One for 10, two for 20, three for 30 that's a deal. My wife and I go to this Mexican restaurant called La Paria, because my wife's from Texas, and she loves Tex-Mex, and we go to this restaurant, and the owner's little boy, who's seven years old, comes out one day, and he's, uh, during the pandemic, he started raising money for himself. He's a little entrepreneur. He, he comes to the table. He's got the shirt on, the pants on, everything. He comes to the table with his little mask on, and he's got these little, uh, he calls them Mexican jello. and I, I said, well, how much are they? He said, uh, one for two, two for four, or three for six. <laughs> And it worked. I gave him a 10 and told him keep the change. So I'm hoping the same will work for you today. Three for 30, write me a check for 50, and we'll keep the change. So uh, we do take credit card, debit card, cash, or um, a check made out to take the World Foundation. Stop by add in the back afterwards, and we'll have those for you. Pastor Madison, thank fast. Oh, no, I would never <laughs> throw those at you. So thank you, and I look forward to seeing you back back in the back, and we could talk about that a little more. Now, Pastor Jonathan did give me instructions. He said the 930 people like to get done and get out, but you guys like to stay till about two and uh, have a lot of preaching. You know what? You, you heard that little technical mishap. Did y'all notice that when it started counting, and then it said verse two? You know, you thought that was awkward. Well, during the first service, I was preaching about 30 minutes in, and it said, conclusion, conclusion, conclusion. <laughs> I, I <laughs> I thought that was my cue to wrap the thing up, so I I don't know what to tell you. Things happen, the devil's in the sound system, that's all I know. Well, if you have your Bible with me, take it, and let's turn to Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14, if you've got your Bible on your device or, you, or you're packing the old style like me this morning, let's look at Joshua chapter 14. We're going to read it all uh, this morning, chapter 14, verse 6 through 15. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word? Let's honor uh, God's Word by standing today. How many know we live in a time where everybody thinks they have their own truth, and you've got a truth, and I've got a truth, everybody's got a truth, but how many of you know God's Word is truth? And that's the anchor for our life. God's word is what we build our life on. So today, let's read from God's word. Joshua chapter 14, verse six. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephneh the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me, made their who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Everybody say that word. Ready? One, two, three, wholeheartedly. One more time. One, two, three, wholeheartedly. I follow the Lord wholeheartedly. So on the day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, I am still as strong as the, day as, as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephne, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, how? Wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless us as we hear it. Anoint me to preach it. Anoint the ears to hear. We open our hearts to what the Spirit of God has to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. I'll tell you what. When I moved to Iowa, uh, I, was a football, I, I was a football novice, didn't know a thing about football because I grew up in Kentucky where we have basketball, but we never really played football. We had two seasons, basketball and basketball recruiting. But I moved to Iowa, and uh, I guess I said my wife was from Texas, I was from Kentucky. We started a church in Norwalk, and when we started the church, we would, every Sunday night, we would haul everything back and put it into storage, and as I would be driving the U-Haul with a buddy of mine named Steve back to my apartment to store things, there would be, this coach would come on the air, and he's the only one that talked in an accent that I could understand. He said, hi, my name's Hayden Fry. I said, that's my man. He sounds like a Southerner. So I became a Hawkeye fan ever since then. So if you go for Iowa State, God bless you. But, uh, But nonetheless, I grew up an incredible basketball fan. Watching the University of Kentucky last year was such a mortal disappointment. Nine and 16, first losing season in 81 years. It was horrible. But I would remind everyone that it's a new day, and Kentucky still has won more basketball games than any other team in the history. And in fact, Kentucky has been rated by USA Today as having the greatest comeback in all history of sport. Basketball, football, baseball, soccer, anything. You see, it was in a conference game back in 1994, a couple years after Shaquille O'Neal had left playing at Louisiana State University. Kentucky was playing down in Baton Rouge, and it was coached by Rick Pitino, and they had a good team, but somehow they got down. How many of you know when you get down by 10 in a basketball game, that's kind of a big gap to make up? You get down by 15, and it's like, well, my my dad used to say, he would irritate me because I was so into it. He would irritate me. Kentucky would get down by two. He would say, well, it's all over but the crying, and he just did it to, you know, needle at me. In fact, even today at 70 years old, that man texts me when Kentucky gets down by a point. He says, all over but the crying. And I text him back, shut up. And so it's, it's a loving relationship. It really is. So Kentucky got down by 10. I was watching the game. I remember, I remember this game in 1994. They got down by 10. They got down by 15. They got down by 20. Then they got down by 30. And with just 15 minutes left to go, 15 minutes, 30 seconds to be precise. And the second half, they're down by 31 points. How many understand a 31 point gap is a big gap to make up? I mean, you've only got 15 minutes to make that up, and all the game you've been giving it away. And so I don't know what happened. I began to watch, they scored a bucket. They got the ball back, scored another one, held them on defense, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, by the end of the game, Kentucky had roared back from 31 points down and won the basketball game. They call it the Mardi Gras miracle. No team in the history of basketball has ever come back from such a big gap so late in a game. They asked Kentucky's coach, Rick Pitino, at the time how how he did it, and he said, I honestly have no idea. (laughs) the Mardi Gras miracle. The gap was huge, but they were able to come back. They were able to close the gap. Everybody say that phrase with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. Close the gap. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, close the gap. I want to talk to you today about closing the gap. Now, all of us have gaps in our area of life. We have have gaps in our knowledge base. We have gaps in our finances. Sometimes we owe more than we make. Sometimes we have more month than we have money. We have gaps in our relationships. We have people we need to make things right with. We have gaps in our job. Maybe we have one job, but we want another job, and there's a gap between where we are and where we want to be. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the most important gap in your life, and that's the distance between you and God. I want to talk to you about closing the gap from where you are to where he is. Let me ask a simple question this morning. How many of you want to walk in victory? How many of you want to walk in blessing? How many of you want to have everything that God has for your life? Raise your hand or say amen or shake. Yes, we all do. We all do. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that the key to attaining victory is this. It is to close the gap between where you are and where God is. You see, I'm convinced that God's blessings are not automatic, that God's blessings are not arbitrary, but God blesses the people who are in pursuit of him, that God blesses the people who are going hard after him. God blesses people like Caleb in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 through 15, who the Bible says three times in the passage we read today that he was what? Wholehearted. Here's a definition of wholehearted for you this morning. It's from Miriam's dictionary. There's two. Number one, completely and sincerely devoted, determined, enthusiastic, energetic. How many of us could say this morning when we woke up that we were enthusiastic, energetic, wholeheartedly devoted to God, that we said, I am glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord today. I am ready to go and worship and praise and give him glory. I am excited to worship God this morning. Or maybe we rolled out of bed and we didn't say, good morning, Lord. We said, oh, Lord, it's morning. We said, I'm not going early. I'll go to the late service. I'll just slide in there a little late, 15 minutes, I'll sing a song or two, he'll preach, we'll get done. Now, some of you have already texted, where are we going to lunch? How do I know that? Because my 21-year-old son texts that to me every Sunday when I'm home and we're at our church. I was like, shut up and listen to the sermon. But I think we're going to La Perea again. And so it's just wholehearted. Are you enthusiastic? Are you energetic about your relationship with God? Or are you like, eh, meh? Let me give you a second definition. Marked by complete, earnest commitment, free from all reserve or hesitation. In other words, are you holding anything back from God? In your walk with God, are you fully committed? Does he have all of you? And are you wanting all of him? That's what it means to be wholehearted. In your walk with God, Are you wholehearted, or is there a gap? This morning, I've come here today, flew in yesterday. By the time I landed, it was telling me it was time to check in for my flight home today. 36 hours, round trip, flying out, flying back, renting a car, staying at a hotel, eating Casey's pizza. That was worth the journey almost. (laughs) And I have prayed for this sermon because I believe someone is here today. And there is a gap between where you are and where God is. And God has brought me here all the way from Norfolk, Virginia, to tell you this morning that he wants to close that gap with you. He wants to be close with you. He loves you, and he wants to be able to bless you and to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future and to bless your life in ways you have never thought imaginable. But to do that, he wants to give you more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. But to do it, you have to live wholeheartedly after God. You have to close the gap. Caleb was wholehearted. And because he was wholehearted, because he closed the gap, he received incredible blessings from God. Look at it six times, six different scriptures. The Bible describes Caleb as wholehearted. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Look at it with me on the screen. But because my Caleb has a my son, servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me how? Wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. This word wholeheartedly that's used in this passage is a hunting term. It's as if here is the prey that's being hunted and here is the person that's doing the hunting. And that person who's hunting has to pursue that prey as that prey moves through the rocks and moves through the woods and goes up the hills and down the valley. He continues to pursue so that eventually he has caught up with that prey and that prey is within a shot The hunter has pursued the prey. And here's what God is saying about Caleb. Caleb is a man who has pursued me. Caleb is a man who has passionately come after me. Caleb is a man who has sought after me with his whole heart. And because he has been wholehearted, I'm going to bless him by giving him the inheritance of this land. Are you pursuing God this morning wholeheartedly? Here's what I know about my relationship with God, your relationship with God. Are you ready? I am as close to God as I want to be because he hasn't moved. And so if there's distance between me and him, the distance is created by what? By by me. The question I have to ask myself is, am I wholehearted? Numbers 32, verse 8. This is what our fathers did when I sent them to Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. They went up over the valley and they viewed the land and they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore this oath. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of the men 20 years old or more who came up out of Egypt will see the land. Look at this. There's cause and effect. There's stimulus and response. Because they did not follow me, they will not receive the promise. Again, favor is not arbitrary. God is looking for people who will be wholehearted. Look at what it says in the remainder of the verse. Not one of them will see the land, not one except Caleb and Joshua, for they followed the Lord. How? Wholeheartedly. Let me tell you this morning, church family, closing the gap between where you are and where God is, is not a luxury. It is an essential if you want to become and receive everything that God has for you in your life. Closing the gap is the reason that Caleb was blessed and Joshua was blessed, and the other 10 spies who did not believe God, who did not follow him wholeheartedly, they all died in the wilderness because they didn't close the gap. They weren't wholehearted. Deuteronomy chapter 1, look at it, verse 35. Again, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your forefathers, except Caleb. He will see it. I will give him and his descendants the land he set his foot on because, look at look at it, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Does anybody get what I'm going after today? Caleb was a man who was full on after God. It's not just about you and about me, but I want you to understand here, it's about the people around us. Caleb was following after God, and because he followed after God, there were good consequences for the people in his family and in his relationships and the others who didn't follow after God, and they said we can't do it, and they didn't believe God, they didn't have faith, there were negative consequences for them and the people around them in their family. Listen to me, church. Joshua chapter 14, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Caleb says I've been following him my whole life. I followed him when we were right at the edge of the land, and I kept following him 40 years while we were in the wilderness. I kept following after him. And now I want my inheritance. So on that day, Moses swore to me, Joshua 14, 9, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Have you ever thrown a rock into a pond? You throw that rock in the middle of that pond and you see that ripple effect. It just goes on and on and on. What God is saying to us is this. Our choice of whether to follow after the Lord wholeheartedly or not will have a ripple effect. Generation after generation after generation. I have six big things I pray over every day. And one is that there would be a generational blessing in my family because my heart is following after the Lord. Are you praying that over your family? It it all starts with you. Finally, one last verse, Joshua 14, 14. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he what? He followed the Lord, the God of Israel. How? Wholeheartedly. In this passage, the the word in Hebrew is a little bit different. It says in English, if you translate it literally, it would say he follow, followed fully, fully. It wants to get across the idea? He really did follow after God. He was big in following after God. So here's the question I have for us this morning. Are we closing the gap? Am I closing the gap between me and God? Are you closing the gap between you and God? Am I getting rid of everything that's separating me from Him? How many of you know sin separates us from God? But there can be other things. Good things can separate us from God. We can be so in love with something good that we don't have time for God. Anything that becomes between us and God becomes a what? An idol. Maybe we have weights, we have troubles, we have have circumstances, and those things are becoming between us and God. You see, Revelation chapter 3 says this. Jesus is talking to the church, and he says, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Hot, of course, is someone who's hard after God, who's following after God, whose heart is pursuing the Lord. Cold is somebody who knows, I don't care a thing for God. I don't want to go to church, church, that's a joke. So what's lukewarm? See, a cold person knows they're not following after God. A hot person knows that they're following after God. But lukewarm, they're kind of straddling that fence. And they've got enough foot into the world of the spirit of God and they've got the other foot outside of that world that there's enough confusion in their heart. They think, well, I went to church. I'm okay. I'm as good as those other people. I'm I'm better than some of them. I saw that one woman cut that person off in the parking lot and give them a signal. I I know that person, they they had an affair and that person did this and that person, I'm okay. And now you're lukewarm because you're not comparing yourself to where God is. You're comparing yourself to where other people are and you feel good enough about yourself that you rationalize away the fact that you are not in pursuit of God. I know this because I've been there myself in my own life. We do these things. But here's what I want you to understand. The opposite of wholehearted is not no-hearted. It is half-hearted. It's half-hearted. So how do you know if you're giving half-hearted effort? How many of you have kids? Raise your hand. You got children. How many of you understand sometimes your kids can obey you, but they're obeying you with their body, but they're not obeying you with their heart? Have you ever been there? Tell your sister, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I mean really mean it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go clean up your room. And it's a half-hearted effort because everything's under the bed and shoved into the closet. Half-hearted. You say, what does it look like when we're spiritually half-hearted, Glenn? Well, let me give you four signs of spiritual half-heartedness. Number one, when there's more concern about what others think than what God thinks. When we're more worried about what somebody may think because we read our Bible on a break, or we're more worried about what other people may think about whether we can afford this house or not afford this house, when we're more worried about driving this car. Listen, peer pressure didn't stop when we got out of high school. How many of you understand that? We're all into it. We're all trying to keep up with the Joneses until they refinance and go broke. And so here's the idea. Do you care more about what other people think or do you care about what God thinks? What, what, what do you think? Do, do they like my suit? Do they like my tie? Do, are my jeans? Are they, maybe I need to have skinnier jeans. I don't know. Do they like my hair? How is my hair? Is my hair Okay. I, went, I just got it cut yesterday. I got it cut. I went, I got, my boys used to tell me all the time, Dad, quit going to sport clips and go to a real barber place. And so I started going to a barber, and I had my first time the other day, and I was like, oh, so you're a barber. And she's like, well, not really. I'm an intern. <laughs> so this is an intern haircut. It was only 27 instead of 40, so I took it. You know, I was like, keep me with the intern. I like that. But we worry about what other people think instead of what God thinks. We worry about, will other people, we've, well, should I put this picture up on Facebook? Should I talk about Jesus on Facebook? Should I tell people I'm at church on Instagram? What, what, what am I wanting the world to think about? Let me give you a second one. Are you ready? When we rationalize sin instead of fearing God, we say, well, it wasn't lust. It was just one look. It's not sin. It's a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. How many understand that nobody is perfect? But when we sin, the answer isn't to say nobody's perfect. The answer is to repent and make things right with the person we sinned against. But we rationalize it when we're half-hearted. We compare ourselves to others instead of comparing ourselves to God. Number three, we can't believe God for big things when we're half-hearted. We don't have enough faith. We, we can't muster up enough faith to believe God for something big. You know, the Bible says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all without finding fault. If, if you tell God you need something, God's not going to laugh at you. He doesn't mock you because you don't know the answers to things. But watch this. Let him ask of God who does not find fault. But let, that man, that, but let not that man doubt. For if he doubts, he is a double-minded man and he will not receive anything from God. Because if you're half-hearted, you won't really believe that God can do something for you. You won't really believe that God can do something big in your life. You pray like that book was talking about. You're praying for a child, but God wants to give you a nation. When we're half-hearted, we don't believe that God does big things for us. He only does big things for other people. Number four, when we're half-hearted, it creates comparison and jealousy. We look at other people and we say, well, why them? They must be cheating somehow. I've heard so many pastors complain about other pastors whose churches are growing, and they say, well, they must not really be preaching the Bible, because they're into comparison and jealousy. The question is, where's our heart? Let me give you three advantages this morning as we wrap up. Three advantages of being wholehearted. Number one, being wholehearted benefits our family. Being wholehearted benefits our family. Look at Joshua 14, verse 14. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. I want you to understand, this whole family line of Caleb began to change because of Caleb. Do you know what the name Caleb originally meant in Hebrew? It originally meant dog. Dog. And it wasn't like, yo, dog, what's up? No, it wasn't that. How many can tell I don't normally talk that way? That's what we say to the judge in court. Yo, judge, no. It's just been Dog. How many of you are old enough to remember Johnny Cash and the boy named Sue? I mean, if you're named Sue, that's bad. But if you're named Dog, that's worse, unless you're a bounty hunter, apparently. So (laughs) he names him Dog because he's mean, because he's cruel, because because he wants to hurt his son. And maybe some of you grew up with a father who who said cruel things or mean things, or maybe you grew up with a father who wasn't there, who wasn't even around, who said nothing. Here's what I want you to know. Caleb began to follow after God with all of his heart, and because he followed after God with all of his heart, he got a different understanding of who God was, of who his father was. He began to understand that his heavenly father wasn't like his earthly father, and that relationship with his heavenly father changed his family forever, so much so that now if you look up the word uh, Caleb, most dictionaries will not define it as dog, anymore, but it will describe it as someone who is, guess what, wholehearted. Because getting close to God, hear me, church family, getting close to God changed his identity. It helped him become who he was supposed to be instead of who other people said he was. He went from being dog to wholehearted. Secondly, I want you to see this, that uh, Caleb keeps his name, but it's not an issue anymore. He redefines his name, but not only does God give him new identity, but God gives him new opportunity. The Bible tells us over and over he was from the Kenizzites. Now, the Kenizzites are a pagan group. Esau married into the Kenizzites and became an Edomite. Esau married a temple prostitute. This is the line that Caleb comes from. It's not a Jewish line. He's become, though, a prince of Judah. How does that happen? Here's how it happens. When you close the gap, when you go wholehearted after God, God can take a nobody from nowhere and lift him up to a place of incredible influence. Here is the main thing the enemy wants you to think, that you are insignificant to God that only the preacher matters. That well, if Jonathan and Erica were praying that God would answer because he loves them. Oh, Pastor Madison, she can get miracles. She can see things happen in her life. But God doesn't care about me the way he cares about them. Let me tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. Listen to me, the God who knows you most loves you best. And until you believe in a big God and that that big God thinks you are a big deal, then you'll never be able to receive anything from him. But when we go wholehearted after God, it blesses our family. Secondly, I want you to notice this it builds our faith. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land. Caleb just didn't get to the land that day and all of a sudden developed faith. Caleb had developed faith his whole entire life. How many of you know this? You don't don't build an ark when it starts to rain. You build the ark well ahead of time. Sometimes God may be gracious and may help us through. But here's what I've discovered in my life. You've got to build your faith when things are good. So your faith is there when things go south. On September 30th of last year, I was in a morning Bible study on Zoom with a group of folks. And we were talking about that passage of Scripture. You remember that one, the wise man builds his house upon the rock and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. You may have sung the song as a kid in preschool. And the rains came down and the uh, flood came up and the house on the rock stood firm, but the house on the sand went splat. So we were talking about that. The one thing that I said that day, the only thing I remember saying in that meeting was this, that the issue isn't whether storms are going to come, but are you ready when they come? Have you built your faith in preparation for that storm? Have you closed the gap between where you are and where God is? So it's a lot harder to do it in the storm than to do it before the storm. Little did I know that day that our storm was already there. As we talked about earlier, because my son had died that night. And that day, the day that I heard that, my wife would find him. He had died by suicide because his pain was so great he could see no way out. And our life took on this incredible tragedy. There's a line from a Dante, Dante's poem, The Inferno, that says, I awoke in a dark wood. In the middle of the journey of my life, I awoke in a dark wood, and the way was completely unfamiliar to me. And that's what life felt like. Our hearts were shattered. Our hearts were broken. And the only thing we had to hold to was a faith that we would built for decades and relationships with people like your pastor that we would built for decades. And that's the only thing that saw us through these nine horrible months. I can't imagine what it would be like to try to start building faith in the midst of that storm instead of before it. When you go wholehearted after God, it doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. But I remember what the Bible says in Isaiah, we walk through the flood and we walk through the fire and we are not burned. If you want God to do something big in your life, if you want to survive the storms of life, you have to see how big you are to God. Finally, let me give you the third one. And that's this. Being wholehearted blesses our future. Joshua chapter 14. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephni, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. This pagan guy who was called by God, called a dog by his dad, followed after God. He closed the gap the Bible says because of that, he received the reward that God had promised. You see, when you walk by faith, you begin to see God's will. How many understand we walk by faith, not by sight? The ten spies saw everything by sight. Joshua and Caleb saw everything they saw. But they came back and said, we see something more. We see that God can bless our future. God can do something amazing in our life. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. God wants to do great things in your life, give you great victories, but it's going to be determined by whether or not you close the gap between where you are and where he is. You say, oh, Glenn, God doesn't want to do great things in my life. Yes, he does. Well, I'm not Caleb. I'm not. Listen, here's what the Bible says. Second Chronicles sixteen nine, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose heart are fully committed to him. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me and I will be found by you. Second Chronicles 31, 21, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Jesus himself, what did he say? Here is the biggest command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. Go after God with everything you have. Do you need to close the gap this morning? Listen, are you totally committed to God? None of us are going to be perfect. It's not a question of perfection. It's a question of direction. Which way are we moving? David said, one thing I want, one thing I desire, more than anything else, is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God will do things in the wholehearted person's life that the half-hearted person will never see. The question for us today is, have we decided to be wholehearted? After my son died, we went back to church the very next week. We wanted to worship. We, I, it, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but we were in the midst of switching to a different church and um, because of distance. went back to the church, and at his service, the worship was powerful. There were 500 people at, say at his service. All the band was people he had played and led worship with or traveled and preached with. loved the Lord. I was just overwhelmed. Couldn't see a way forward. Maybe that's you today. I'd love to pray with you. But that worship was so powerful that moment, but as weeks went on, worship became a chore for me instead of a joy because I would let questions creep into my mind during worship. We'd sing some song about great is your faithfulness and I'd say, well, you weren't real faithful with my son, were you? God. Or we'll sing something about he delivers you from all your trouble. I was like, yeah, but you didn't do that for Grant, did you, God? Or it'd be about his goodness and kindness. Like, Lord, I'm not so sure about you. And I would, at the end of each time of worship, I'd say, Lord, I'm sorry, but I just, <laughs> I have told my wife, I think my worship is broken. But I'm just going to keep giving it to him because it's all I got. I'm going to keep singing the words even if my mind is not believing him. And one day we were standing there in worship. We were singing this song by Maverick City called Promises. And it started all. it starts off, God of Abraham. You know, I can't sing. But, um, I again was thinking, Lord, we prayed for the Son. You've not kept your promise on it. And then we got to the bridge and it says this, I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down. And the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart and said, are you going to do that? Just like when you were 13 years old and you went to the altar and you got saved, are you going to put your faith in Jesus, your anchor to the ground, your hope and strong foundation? Because right now you have a choice. You're either going to go wholehearted for me, or you're just going to go half-hearted because of the things that have happened. I'm going to tell you, it took a. We go to church. Our church, we sing. A, we only sing like three songs, but we sing them over and over and over. So I had time to think about it. And as we sang it again, and got back to the bridge again. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going wholehearted for you. I'm I'm not here to tell you that every bit of pain lifted. No, that's not the case. I had so much pain and heartache the other day, even as an attorney, I had to say, cancel my appointments. I just have to go home. I just have to go home. I can't do this today. But what changed was something in my heart that I anchored my faith in Jesus once again. Will you close the gap today? That was my gap. I don't know what your gap is. Maybe it's a habit you need to give up. Maybe it's a, a Hobby. I don't know. I'm not I'm not even gonna try to guess. The Holy Spirit can tell you. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? That worship pastor, my pastor that day, they had no idea as I sat there right around there in our church. What the Holy Spirit was doing in worship. Powerful. I believe the Holy Spirit's at work in here today. Would you stand to your feet all over the room? I want to pray for you this morning. You're here today, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed you're here this morning and you say, Glenn, pray for me. I'm kind of half-hearted. I'm not going after God like I should, like I want to. I want his blessings. And today I see the advantages of being wholehearted. And I know what it is that I need to cut out, or I know what it is I need to add on. Maybe I need to start pursuing baptism in the Holy Spirit. Maybe I need to start a prayer time. I don't know what it is. Again, I just let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Let me ask you this morning. You're here today and you say, Glenn, I'm half-hearted. Pray for me right where you're standing. Lift a hand all over the room and say, pray for me. I want to close the gap between where I am and where God is. Are you ready? Lift it when I count to three. All over the room. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up. Yes, hands all over the room. All over the room. All over the room going up. Saying, I want to close the gap. Hands all over the room. Father, I pray for every person whose hand is lifted. Every person who's saying, I want to close the gap. Holy Spirit, I don't know what has created that gap. I don't know if it's heartache. I don't know if it's pain. I don't know if it's sin. I don't know if it's some other good thing that's got in the way of the God thing. But whatever it is, thank you for these folks this morning who are saying, I want to begin to pursue God. I want to begin to go wholeheartedly after God. I want to close the gap between where I am and where God is. It doesn't matter if we're 31 points down. You can bring us back and you can give us victory in our lives today. And I just speak that over your people today. I declare over them Ephesians 2.10, for they are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you've created in advance for them to do. I declare over them Philippians 1, 6 being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to the, to complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. And I declare over them Galatians 6, 9 that if we do not grow weary in doing good we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Lord, I pray victory and prosperity and blessing as they seek after you in the name of Jesus. And everybody that receives that shout, amen. You're here this morning. heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And you just don't know if your heart's right with God. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from him and you want to come back. Maybe you're just not sure. The Bible says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's you today. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You want to come back to him. You want to make sure. I want to pray for you as well. Just right where you're standing, I'm going to pray for you. You need to make a decision. See, the, maybe your gap between you and God is you've never asked Jesus to take over your life. You've ne- you're never become a Christian. You say, that's what I need today. Or maybe you've walked away from him. You say, I want to come home today. Maybe you're just not sure. I want to pray for you today. It's heads are about eyes are closed. When I count to three, lift your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Say, include me when you pray, Glenn. Who in this room would lift their hand for that one? All right, let's pray together. Everybody out loud, let's join together. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you today to forgive my sin, to take charge of my life. I declare today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And now he lives in me. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me come today. Have where they're going to come and talk. But God bless you. I forgot that. There. You got to sing a song, aren't you? Okay.
1: Wow. What a powerful word. Um, so grateful, uh, Pastor Glenn. Thank you so much for your heart to serve God and to be obedient to what God has asked you to speak and being transparent and honest with us. Uh, Pastor Jonathan speaks so highly of you, and I know why. Just being around you the little bit I have over the years, I can see it. He loves you, and uh, we appreciate We love the connection we have with Cross Point Church and your family. And so thank you so much. And so let's give him a hand again just for, yeah. Praise God. If you made that commitment to follow Jesus Christ for the first time or you rededicated his life, we would love to connect with you and follow up with you. So if you could text the number that'll be on the screen, 319-250-8998. Again, it's 319-250-8998. And so we'd love to follow up with you. So please just text that number. Right now, we always leave a spot at the end of our service to give a time of prayer if you have prayer needs, to be able to come up front. So the prayer team's going to come up front right now. And this message, we have a choice right now, even as we enter into worship or to be prayed over, to close that gap. If you're hurting, if there's something that you need to release and to help close that gap, come, and come up to front and be prayed for. Maybe it's just in worship and just saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give everything to you. And just by raising your hands, saying, God, I give you everything. I want to go after you wholeheartedly. I'm done with half hearted. I want to go wholehearted. And so I'm going to pray. And you know, if you need prayer, just come up front. The prayer team's going to be here. Otherwise, just enter into worship. Go wholeheartedly after him. Close that gap. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for Pastor Glenn, Lord. I thank you for the man of God that he is. God, I pray that your spirit just continues to guide him, strengthen him in every moment, Lord. Continue to give healing for his family. Continue to just wrap love around them in the moments they need it the most. God, I pray for the people in this room right now that they're hurting. They need to close that gap. They need to give something to you. God, I pray that there is an action that they take in this moment to give that to you, Lord. God, to not worry about what's going on, but to go wholeheartedly after you. To not be half-hearted, to be all in, Lord. God, we give you this time and this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer team's up here. They would love to pray with you.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope that
1: this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.